Welcome back. We are talking million dollar careers. As, uh, as, as always, I've got my good friend Rob Houghton with me. Rob is the uh, president of uh, MR Fairfax up in uh, Washington, D.C. He lives in Winchester, Virginia. And Rob is uh, the absolute King Kong of recruiting for the insurance industry, uh, specifically in the, the Washington metro D.C. area. So, Rob, welcome back. What's happening? Love to have you on. It's good seeing you today. Good morning, Craig. It, it's all good. Did a lot of yard work this weekend. Got a lot of good sun. Tired, aching. But uh, other than that, it's all good, man. There you go. It's a good weekend here, too. Spring is in the air. My yeah, my yeah. black truck is yellow with, poly, <laughs> with pollen. Yeah. Now, that's so, a beautiful... I, I don't know about down in North Carolina, but up here in Virginia, it's a beautiful, bright, sunny day, man. It's an awesome spring. I'm, I'm digging spring right now. So all good. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, Hey, so before we came on, we were talking about a little bit about, you know, you know, switching jobs, you know, both from an employer standpoint and from a person looking to move. And I've been thinking about this all weekend. And I think, you know, people forget when, you know, they're putting a job out there, you know, they need some help. They're putting a job out there. They don't think so much about the other person. You know, don't think so much about the talent that they're trying to attract. They think about this is the job we have, this is the pay we have, you know, and they never think about what's going to attract the right person to that role. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think you have to make it more of a place that someone wants to run to. You know, it has to be like almost like a destination attraction, sort of like a, I don't want to say a Disney World, but, you know, a place that someone wants to go to for a lot of different reasons. Um, I'm thinking of the example of military special operations, which I always like to use this as an example, but you know, like for Delta Force, okay? The pipeline is is the 82nd Airborne mm -hmm. and to a lesser extent, the 101st Airborne Division. And to attract those airborne guys, you better have something very special. So forces, I mean, like Delta is a tier one mission operating unit. That, that is a destination. People go there to spend the rest of their careers. I mean, that mm -hmm. is the ultimate. So they never have any trouble recruiting people. They may have a, they may select a hundred people for tryouts and maybe a half a dozen will make it. Mm -hmm. It's a true destination. You know what I mean? Like they have built up the mystique, the eliteness of the unit to the point where they don't even have to advertise anymore. People mm -hmm. just show up literally at the gate down mm -hmm. at Fort Bragg <laughs> and beg to just have a shot at, at being a Delta guy. And mm -hmm. I always look at that as, as an example. It, it, it's like a destination. They have, they have really mastered the art of not only branding, but what they do, it goes beyond branding. It's like, if you want to be a hotshot military guy, man, yeah, army guy, you're going Delta. And these are the people you train. So you do a lot of, yeah. you know, just for, for perspective, you train a lot of, you know, back in your prior life, yeah. you were one and now you train them and, and, uh, and that's what you, you understand. And this is the same thing. I'm, I'm actually, you know, I spent a, 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 a you know, several days with a client who's, you know, having issues with, you know, retention, you know, just because the, the industry is moving so fast. I said, look, you know, you need to make yourself 
the employer of choice. It all becomes, you know, it all comes down to if you are the employer of choice, you will never have a retention problem again. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, think about it. You know, think about, you know, the jets you fly are all, you know, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a number one aircraft management company. So the jets you fly are all new. It's new, it's 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 newer material. So pilots want to come fly the jets. Your clients are all top tier. So yeah, great jets, top clients. And they said, all right, now think about what concerns do people have, you know, in the industry. It's it's is relocation. Where can I live? Address that. It's economic, you know, pay, address that. It's what happens if the jet goes away address that. It's all these things, you know, now, now start to think about, you know, what do we need to do to become an employer of choice? Right, exactly. And I think in this day and age, you know, it's, it's another client I've been working with. They're like, well, we think this person needs to make $195,000 because some consultant out there told us that this person needs to make $195,000. So I'm like, well, let's, let's say you're probably about $50,000 shy. So what are you going to do to attract the right person to your company and get them to reload to your city or state if that needs to happen? Yeah. What are you doing? Otherwise, you're just telling people, hey, look, change geography yeah. for no real benefit. And nobody wants to move for a couple thousand dollars in a kiss. Yeah, man. So, so first of all, just to set the record straight, I was never a Delta operator. Per se, okay. I was in a different unit. Okay, all right, <laughs> it was a different unit. But just, just to put that out there, okay? I meant to say special forces. So different, different it, unit. It, and, and and special forces is a separate thing. It, it's really you know special operation forces, which is all encompassing a lot of different elite units. Which just say special operations uh, forces, you know. But anyways, so what you say makes a lot of sense because going back again to special operation forces, how they develop their culture of eliteness is they're very good about uh, taking someone's duties and responsibilities, what they do on a daily basis and tying that directly to a goal or a specific objective. So everyone knows exactly what's expected of them and what they're gonna be doing. For a lot of people in the, in the insurance industry, the big issue now is people are, are being overworked mm -hmm. and they don't know what they're working on. So they're like being pulled in so many different directions. Work becomes meaningless now because mm -hmm. now I'm just a cog in a wheel, just working 10, 12 hours a day. I don't really know what my purpose is anymore. I don't know what I'm doing. And I've got a couple of clients who are really, really good during like performance reviews and in, in their monthly feedback sessions where they go through great pains to make sure that their employees know exactly what they're doing and how that ties into the goal and objective of the company, because what that translates to is a purpose. Mm -hmm. You and I have talked about that before. Purpose is one of the main drivers of, of an employee now. They have to have purpose in their work, particularly amongst the younger crowd, the Generation Zers. They have to have purpose. You know, so if you don't have purpose, then the whole thing falls apart and those the clients that I have that are able to attract like the truly top talented people, 
are the ones that have developed a true culture, a mm -hmm. true eliteness about them in the way of like a military or a professional sports team does. Those are the companies, regardless of pay. I mean, they pay well, but people don't go there for the pay. They go there because I want to be part of that group. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to be part of that. Yeah. That's what I want. That's I, I was people. Yeah, I talk about that in corporate America quite a bit. It's like, hey, look, you know, become, you know, you want to be the group where you know, 100 people apply. Yeah. You know, 10 people get, you know, 10 people, you know, 10 people make it, right? You know, hey, we'll choose. You know, we have our, you want to be the company that that, that gets to pick and choose. Yeah, you know, sort of like the MIT or the Harvard or you know, Stanford, you know, of, you know, of industry, right? And I think that starts with like a great, you know, it starts with a great position descriptions. And it's like, hey, who are we as a company? What are we trying to attract? What is this role that we have, you know, and how do we, you know, attract the right person to it versus Hey, just come on over. We offer average pay. Yeah, we're 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 fleet average for pay. Yeah, we're a good company, but you know, it's nothing special. And I think that's where that's where that's where employers miss the boat. They they just don't think about, you know, they you know, maybe it's just HR laziness. You know, they just slap it up there, post and pray and whatever. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work that it, it, the world, the world's changed. You got to get people excited. Yeah, the other thing too, I, you know, I don't know if this is happening in the aviation and aerospace sector, but like in, in the insurance sector, there's a lot of acquisitions, a lot of mergers, uh, and what happens is a corporate culture will change mm -hmm. almost year to year, you know, and the, that's an issue because when you, you know, if if a company, if insurance company A is trying to attract people. But they've been through two reorganizations in the last three years. For all practical purposes, mm -hmm. there is no culture. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes very difficult. Then it becomes a money game. Mm -hmm. Let's just pay people 20%, 30% more than my competitors. Yeah. But then you're getting the wrong people. You're getting people that are motivated by money. And, and, and the problem with that is, is that another recruiter comes along a couple of years and offers them more money. And what do they do? They leave. Yeah. I'd love to see what the face, what the, you know, you, you think about like, you know, you read about all the layoffs in tech, Google, Facebook, Salesforce, you know, Apple hasn't laid anybody off, but you, you think about like, you know, all these people are like, well, we overhired and we were just, you know, you know, Salesforce is, we're one big family. You know, you're one big family until 10,000 people got to get laid off. Right? <laughs> exactly. And then you're really not. Then you're sort of kicking out the cousins you don't like. Exactly. Um, you know, I think the, the, the issue with the, that's the problem with getting big. You know, you go acquire little companies that are kind of nimble and entrepreneurial and have their own little culture. And then you, you know, you, know, you go and acquire them and you roll them into big mama Facebook. Or you remember when Cisco was going crazy 20 years ago and buying up everything under the sun. And then, yeah, you roll them up and you assimilate them. You try to assimilate them into this you know, big monster culture. People are like, this isn't what I signed up for anymore. This is what I signed up for. And then they leave. I'm all about what's in it for me. Personally, I'm in a, I'm, I'm an all what's in it for me type of guy. With them. You know, yeah. With them. You know, I think it's, 
you know, when you when you start to turn the, the page and go, what's in it for them? What's in it for them? What are we offering them that's so great that they should come to us? And it's the one question I think companies don't ask themselves when they're out hunting for people. Yeah. I ran it, you know, and it, and it's all things for all different people. You know, there is no magic bullet. Like, how can you develop a culture? What What is that culture? I mean, I've got a, I've got a client actually. This is really strange. So what makes them different? And they are really different, but they attract a lot of people. They attract so many good people that they don't even really need me as a recruiter, except for a couple of oddball positions, like an underwriter maybe or something like that. But they recruit people very easily. And here's how they do it. Okay. So in this particular organization, because of what they do, they hire a lot of young people, a lot of people between the ages of like 22 college graduate to like 35. That's their, their average age is like 28 years old. Okay. Okay. What they do actually is they have a product, they have a productivity system in a way of evaluating people based, based, based upon uh, KPIs. They will allow their people to have a side hustle. It's crazy, right? I mean, how many people will allow their people to, to have a side Mm -hmm. hustle? And I, I know some of these people and they're really, really smart. They're really, really good at what they do. And a lot of them actually have a side hustle, like whatever a side hustle is these days, you know, it's a mm-hmm. a marketing business on the side or something, or a, a graphics business on the side or mm-hmm. whatever it is. You know what I mean? But this is a culture that's really hip and they attract, they know what they want. They know they want younger people for a lot of different reasons, which I really can't go into. But this is how they attract these people. They've created a culture that has sort of a brand reputation. Like, come here. All you got to do is get your work done. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to have a side hustle, you can. Mm -hmm. Even if you have to take a phone call during during the middle of your workday. If you get your work done, it's okay. And it works. It's different, but it works. And there's a lot of companies now that are, that are actually, as a matter of fact, I saw something in Wall Street Journal this weekend, it popped, popped right out at me. There's companies now that will allow people, particularly tech companies, to have a side hustle. But that's, that's, that is their culture, and it works for them. You know, you know the interesting, I, I, I was reading a different article. I saw that Wall Street Journal article you were talking about. I was reading a different article, and, and uh, who's the guy, Mr. Wonderful, you know, Shark Tank guy? And he was like, you know, companies oh, yeah, are, yeah. are companies are still hoping that, you know, people are going to come back to the office. They're they're under this belief. Well, you know, hey, look, eventually people are going to come back to the office. Yeah. And I'm with him. I'm like, if you know, you're smoking something if you think people exactly. are going to come back to the office. <laughs> and and quite frankly, it, it it really this really creates. I mean, look, the underlying, you know, problem with it is you got all these office buildings that are heavily leveraged. And eventually they're going to start losing their leaseholders. So now people are going to have to figure out, you know, look, you know, how to convert them into something different. But, you know, that's the ultimate thing is that, you know, these you know, people are not coming back to the office. And you have a whole generation of people who are coming up behind you and I are coming up now. They're not going to understand what working in an office is, what what working in an office is at all. Yeah. So how does that change the way you lead and manage people you got a whole that whole game is going to change and then you think about once again how do we attract 
the right people. And it comes, you know, what do people change jobs for? You know, it's, you know, it's, uh, what is it? It's, it's, you know, pay, you know, location, the ability to move up the you know, food chain, money, security is big. Yeah. You know, there's you know, six things. That's I've it. got a client. So I have another insurance client down in uh, Washington, D.C., which is a difficult area to access. So, so, so you can imagine what, what it's like trying to attract people back into the office, right? Mm -hmm. So what they did is, is something very interesting. They refitted their entire office to accommodate a hybrid uh, worker. Mm -hmm. So people no longer have a specific desk. So they come in, they have a big area for, they can, they have a chef that makes meals. Mm -hmm. They have common areas. They have IT areas. They have special Zoom areas. It's very, very comfortable. I, I was in there about two weeks ago and I was thinking to myself, this place is like a five-star hotel. It's a really, it's like a magnet. I'm thinking to myself, now this is a place that I would actually enjoy coming down to spend four or five hours if I have a meeting mm -hmm. and have a big scheduling board and everything. Very, very interesting. And I've talked to some people who work there and they were very, very excited to, to come down there a couple of times a week. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Come down just a couple of times a week or you come down when there's a big meeting or maybe they have a client come over, but it's no longer eight to five. It's no longer mm -hmm. you have a cubicle. You don't have an office. Mm -hmm. It's a totally collaborative and innovative atmosphere. And again, the average age of this company is probably around 30. So mm -hmm. for you know, for that age group, it works. Yeah. Now I have other clients, it's all white guys 65 years old, right? Right. That's not gonna work. No. You know what I mean? But I mean, I think your point is very valid. You know, each individual company has to figure out what they gotta do to attract a profile of person that they want to attract. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, and yeah. you know, I was with a company not too long totally. ago and, and they're growing, they're growing like crazy, privately held, no equity. And, you know, I just sat down and said to them, I said, you're going to have to figure out what, you know, we're going to have to sit down and talk about this together and figure out what's going to attract the right person. You've got, you know, okay pay, okay equity. They said, yeah, but here's the deal. We're growing really fast. And we have the vision and we understand where we're going and we project that we can be, you know, X millions of dollars in revenue in three or four years. Yeah. Like, okay. And then a very consistent growth rate. I said, the person, you know, our goal is to find the person who's entrepreneurial, who wants to grow with us and who wants to make a million dollars a year, because ultimately what this person will get, we don't have equity. But what we will do is we will pay them a percentage of net profit. So you know, yeah. every everybody's goals are aligned. Exactly. We already have people in our company that are making a million dollars a year. I'm like, yeah. I love it. And he goes, and and we've 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 set up, yeah, you know, we work, we we've set up the, you know, we've set up the processes to allow that and the and the systems to allow them to make you know a million dollars a year. We you know, we don't like a lot of turnover. So we keep them incentivized to stick around. I mean, all these people, they could go off on their own and they could do, they could be very successful, but they stick with us because mm -hmm. all of our goals, our goals as a company are for them to make a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Their goals as a person is to make a lot of money and they succeed if we succeed. And That's I a good point too, because 
it really depends on the kind of uh, on the kind of individual that you're mm-hmm. looking for. Salespeople are a different animal than your support people or your or, or your operations people. I mean, salespeople, you mm-hmm. have to create that same elite culture, but the elite culture is more defined uh, monetarily. Mm-hmm. Like you have to give a sales guy, at least in the insurance business, mm-hmm. an opportunity to come in and spend 100 percent of your time selling. Mm-hmm. Not working for a small mom and pop insurance agency where you got to do support, service, and sell. You got to wear three different hats. The advantages to the larger insurance brokers who have the money and the resources to create different uh, divisions of labor in terms of support, service, operations. So they bring the sales uh, guy in, in, a, in who is incentivized by money, and they will uh, tell him, hey, you can come over here. And spend 100 percent of your time selling, mm-hmm. making a lot of money, if that's what you want to do. And they create that culture where their sales guys are always out selling. They're out mm-hmm. meeting people. They're not having to fool around with the details of the contracts and 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 putting together the quotes and the RFPs. So that's a good idea. I mean, that's a good example of how salespeople you have to you have to offer something different for the salespeople as you do the support people. Support mm-hmm. people. I'm along the lines of professional growth, getting promoted, you know, stability, uh, respect, recognition, purpose, all that kind of stuff. Sales guys in the insurance business, it's just about making money, man. You know, hey, look, I'm all about creating wealth. Look, I'm all about if you're really good, and this goes out to look at, you know, you have your hourly employees out there, and your hourly employees will be hourly employees. And I mean, my big, you know, like right now I'm talking to you. You know, I, I'm reading the news about airline pilots and they're all like, we're really good. We're really good. We're really good. Give us our union contract. And I'm like, the minute you say, give us your union, give us our union contract. You're not really good. You're just looking for a paycheck. And that's right. it. You know, you figure out, you know, if you guys as a collective group can figure out how to make your airline home like a Swiss watch and you're working with management, we'll talk. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about people who are really career minded. And they're going, all right, I'm really good. If you're really good and you can really take a company or a PL or a territory to new heights, you know, you, you take the base salary that you know you can live on, and then you work for the upside, which you can you thrive, go. which you can thrive on, because then your goals are aligned with your employer's goals and everybody. Everybody's really happy at the end of the year. That's what it comes down to. So yeah, that's the way I look at it. I look if you're working for your paycheck, you know, you're not worth willing. To, if you need a ba- big base salary, you know, you're not you're you're not you're, you're not an entrepreneurial person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're not an entrepreneurial person, and yeah, that's it. So, He's just a poser. That's all. Yeah. That's it. How do people get a hold of you, Rob? Rob at mrfairfax.com. I'm all over the internet. LinkedIn, I do podcasts. The best way to find me actually is just go to my website, www.mrfairfax.com. I love your blogs. I read them all the time. I like them. I've been doing a lot of uh, sports analogies later. I, I I just did one on the NFL Combine. I got another one in the works, March Madness. I love to do uh, sports analogies as you know as it relates to talent acquisition and talent retention i think it's yeah i think they're very similar you know you, you know you're looking for the best people in the best place you want know, it's it's a very yeah you know, like a lot of people think you know don't think that sports and life 
Yeah, sports and life, I think, are they run in parallel with each other. Absolutely, they're very very similar. So it's all good. Good man. Cool man. Well, go enjoy the uh, go enjoy the Monday. Enjoy the conversation as always. All right, Craig. Good seeing you. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pickett.